abide in Christ and be valorous people of God in Christ in this world. Wherever your household may be, be a person of valor in your homes, with your marriages, with your children, in your workplace as you extend the covenant of God's love to the people all around you. What does valor look like in the home? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. When we think of the word valor, we usually think of bravery and firmness. But how does that apply to our family life? Today, David and Marilyn Chadwick continue in their Valor series with the second section of a message called At Home. It was a severe famine in Israel. Uh, Naomi was married to a guy named Elimelech. They had two sons and famine had come and caused them to flee. Meryl and I have been all over the world with different ministries. We've seen in Sudan, for Mm -hmm. example, the extraordinary pain that's caused by people losing their homes uh, because of famine or because of persecution or whatever the reason may be. We've seen Syrian refugees. Yeah, hunger here is different. You know, hunger in America is rough, but when you go to these areas, we've got displaced people groups, the famine, the hunger, you can see it in the faces, it's grinding. So Naomi and Elimelech were going through a famine and they said, we've got to find food for our boys. So they went into Moab, which was the enemy of Israel. If you read the biblical prophecies about different nations, you'll see that God pronounces a severe judgment through the prophets on Moab, just again, like Marilyn said, a godless people, but they had to have food. So they ran there and lived there. And the two boys eventually over 10 years time period met two Moabitess girls and married them. And one of them was named Ruth. Ruth. And so after some period of time, Elimelech and the two sons die. And Naomi yearns for her homeland, turns to her two daughters-in-law and says, look, I'm going home. You two stay here. You can perhaps remarry, but I've got to go home. One of them did stay, but the second one named Ruth decided to go with Naomi back to Israel and says something extraordinary in the scripture. Marilyn, would you read those verses? Yeah, but Ruth said, and this is Ruth saying this to Naomi, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And that's from Ruth chapter 1. And those verses are often read at weddings and People ask me sometimes when I officiate weddings if I would have those verses read, and I always go, well, sure, I'll be more than happy to. You just need to know they weren't spoken between a husband and wife. They were spoken from a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law. Imagine that. Yes, I hope my daughters-in-law like me that much. Yeah, but but great words of covenant love. Covenant love. And we want to emphasize that term today, covenant love, because it's throughout the Bible. It's the kind of love that God has for us. Covenant love is unconditional love. Um, Another definition of covenant love that I love is I'm not going anywhere. It's mostly expressed in God's love for us, first of all, through Israel, that he made a covenant relationship with Israel through Abraham, basically said, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. And the covenant love that God made with Israel uh, continued even after Jesus came into the world. Paul says that Israel was set aside for a season until the fullness of the Gentiles comes into God's kingdom. And then they're going to have a massive numbers of Jews who will come to faith in Jesus. And that covenant love that God made with Abraham is irrevocable. I'm not going anywhere. It's still in place just until the fullness of all Gentiles come into the kingdom of God. Now, that covenant love is expressed between Ruth 
and Naomi in a powerful right. way. It is. But, you know, it's interesting because we think covenant love is what holds all believers together. Once people are in the body of Christ, we love each other with a covenant love, certainly starting, obviously, with marriage and your love for your children, but it's also the love we all have for each other. And I think Ruth's um, demonstration of this covenant love was so stunning, really, because, again, she had been a Moabitess. She was outside the community of faith. But when she made that pronouncement or that covenant to Naomi, she basically was accepting God as her God too, again, which was stunning. So that by the time they made their way back to, to Israel in, in, the, in the tribal village there, her reputation somehow had preceded her yeah. and they were blown away. So that one of the men comes up to her and basically says this, everybody in town knows that you are a woman of valor. Ruth is the only person in the entire Bible, the only woman to be called by name a woman of valor. And this was what they used as the term to, to like honor her for this covenant love. Yeah. And in case you don't know the rest of the story, Ruth comes back and just starts to work in order to supply for her and Naomi, a man named Boaz, who's a good bit older than she is, looks at her and is attracted to her, finds out that Elimelech was in his lineage and in what's called the kinsman redeemer process in Israel's law, that the next person in line to someone who had died could marry the wife. Boaz realizes he's next in line and works with yeah. the elders of the city, goes to them, says, may I have the kinsman redeemer for Ruth? And they agree, and so he ends up marrying her, and the rest of the story is just astounding. Well, it's stunning because, first of all, she was called a woman of valor before she was even married. So a woman of valor can be anybody. Just remember, she was an outsider. And I can't impress upon you how disdained the Moabites were. So it's just amazing to me that here she is now married to Boaz, and they have a son named Obed. Well, Obed ends up being the grandfather of King David, which many of you are familiar with because that's in the lineage of Jesus. And when you get to the first chapter of the book of Matthew where they do the whole genealogy, Ruth is right in there, one of the very few women whose names are listed in the actual lineage of Jesus. So part of what I wanted to say to all of you this morning is you may feel like an outsider, you may feel like, like a broken, hopeless, despairing person. God couldn't possibly use someone like me. Remember Ruth. Remember Ruth, an outsider from a godless nation that God chose to come be a part of his covenant love family and through her brought in King David. And then let's go now to Romans 1 and through King David comes into the world in his lineage who? Our Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. So Ruth is in the lineage of the birthing of Jesus into the world. So don't think you're ever yeah. useless. Don't think you're ever worthless. Don't think you're beyond God's love and covenant mercies. Oh no, dear friends, you are right in the plan of God. Trust him and you might see your life being used to change the world in decades and generations to come. It's a wonderful story. It is. And this concept of covenant love, again, and we keep saying this over and over and over, it's God's love for you. So that's the most important thing. But we're going to find it threaded throughout different passages of scripture. And when you get back to Proverbs 31, let's go back there. Because the Proverbs 31 woman, as she is known, demonstrates covenant love in her family 
to her children, and then we'll find out next week how she does this with the rest of the world around her. But there's an interesting sentence in those 10 verses, and I think next week we need to bring the poem. Are you going to sing it then? Do you really want me to? <laughs> yeah, we'll so. give you the poem so you can go home and all <laughs> Can I husbands. sing The Temptations, My Girl, or something <laughs> like that? Would they be okay? No, I well, guess not. Well, you don't have to turn into a Jewish family, but you can say these verses if you want to next week to your wives and, and those in your families. But anyway, it says here um, that the heart of her husband trusts in her. This is Proverbs 31, 11, and 12. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Do you hear the covenant theme coming through there? Mm-hmm. And it's there in such a powerful way to express for Christians the covenant love we know through Jesus. Um, For those of you who know what happens at the Lord's table that we celebrate here, um, Jesus said as he gave that to his disciples, behold, I give you a new covenant through my blood, through my death to you. And that new covenant basically is when we have a relationship with Jesus, he abides in us and we abide in him. There's a glue in our lives. And what Jesus is saying to us is, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I will never leave you or forsake you. Or his last words before he ascended into heaven, lo, I'll be with you when? always, even to the close of the age. So his life is in us, our life is in him. That's the uniqueness of a personal relationship with Jesus. And folks, I don't know what you were taught the Christian faith is all about, but it's not rules and regulations. It's not a toxic, you must, you should, you ought, or God's gonna get you. It is a personal, living, dynamic relationship with the God of this universe through his son, Jesus, that melts our lives into his, his life into us. And we know personally, every single second of every single day, his covenant love deeply and abiding within us. And do you think maybe, and I think this is what's coming through to me as I study this concept more, it takes valor to love somebody with a covenant love. It takes valor in relationships. We're going to see in a minute that it takes valor in marriage. But I bet many of you right now are talking to yourself saying, you know, the way I'm loving X, Y, or Z, this person in my life, sometimes I have to draw on valor to stay true. If you go toward marriage, this is what God would intend. And remind yourselves that in your vows that you take with your spouse, that you say to them, for better or for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, and then you're supposed to say, at least I lead my couples that I marry with these words, and I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses. And recognize, we had a millennial friend of ours tell us that a lot of you millennial folks have never been taught the meaning of covenant in marriage and you still think it's a contract. It's not a contract. A contract is based on the performance of the other and if the other doesn't perform well, you can break the contract. Folks, that's not covenant. It's not the covenant we have with Jesus. It's not the covenant he intended there to be in marriage. Covenant means I'm not going anywhere covenant means I am committed forever. This probably hits for some of you as well. Maybe you're caring for somebody. Maybe you're watching somebody. But I think what a powerful demonstration of a man and a woman of valor. So in in marriage, that's what it's supposed to look like. And Christians' marriages are something different than the world's. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. And I somehow think most of us yearn for that, don't we? We really yearn. Deep down inside, we all yearn for that. And that's what Jesus desires. And if it didn't work in the first marriage, make it work for your second. This is about looking forward. Yeah, not looking back. Yeah, you can make it work in this one through the covenant love of Jesus through you to another person. And interestingly, we think children watch that. Mm -hmm. 
and they see it and it makes them want to honor the one expressing that kind of covenant love. In fact, with the Proverbs 31 woman, she practices that kind of valor, and what happens with her children? Well, it's interesting because, again, I encourage you to go back and read the verses, but another little section of Scripture describing her says this, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And then it says this, her children rise up and call her blessed. And that word, rise up, is more than just standing to your feet. It, it means in the, in the actual Hebrew, to be strengthened, to be established, to be successful. So it's a very powerful term like it, rise up. And we want to emphasize that in, in parenting as well. And also, Marilyn, I want to say, you need to know our marriage isn't perfect. I mean, there are a lot of times I'm a jerk in the name of Jesus, of course, but I'm, I mean, I do some really bad things and, and I have to say, please forgive me. I'm, I'm really sorry. And we have to work through stuff just like you do. But what binds us together is our common covenant, covenant love in Jesus. Yeah. Really and I is. think that combined with the, the intentional parenting, we had a mom come up to us that raised her children as a single mom. And she said, I believe everything that you're saying. And I didn't choose for my husband to leave, but I practiced that kind of covenant love for my children. And they saw that. And, and so her I boys just, have turned out really her, well. Yeah, they've turned out really well. And I looked at her and I said, boy, you are truly a woman of valor. But that's part of what made this Proverbs 31 woman tick. You know, she was part nurturer. And we've always kind of gotten that. That's what those verses are mostly interpreted as. But I hope that after today and after this series that you're seeing she was also a warrior. Could you give some practical illustrations of women and people of valor? Yeah, well, first of all, let's just, let's just state the obvious, that when you show valor in your home, you know, those of you that are caring for children, it takes valor, doesn't it, to raise your children? You know, I stayed at home with our kids. Then there were times later on when I worked. Some of you women out there are doing both. You're working and caring for your children. I don't know what, house, what your household looks like for you, but if you're caring for children, you men, if you're caring for children, valor starts at home. Um, there are tons of ways. In, in, a, in a more you know, peripheral way, when you're a reading mentor, maybe you're not bringing that child into your home but you're bringing your home Home to that that child. child. Mm -hmm. Um, There are just all kinds of ways we can be men and women of valor. But again, I think starting at home, what does our household look like? And household might look different for all of us. And we want to make sure that we say to all of you that wherever you are, there's your mission field. Mm -hmm. That that's your place where God has called you to make a difference and to be a person of covenant love, even in the place that does not express that kind of love to one another. And And hospitality and hospital come from the same word, don't they? So when you're home, when you're showing hospitality, don't underestimate that if you're a follower of Christ and you're showing hospitality, you're bringing healing and hope to somebody that might desperately need it. Another illustration you shared with me that I loved was a a young Jewish single woman in New York City, high-powered, but felt the same call to to the homeless, right, that we talked about last week. The homeless were her household. Mm. And I I just know that that God has a plan for all of you to be instruments of his love, peace, mercy, wherever he calls you. You can make a difference in this world by being a person of valor and courage, expressing God's covenant love through you to people all around you to help make this world a better place in which to live. So I guess people should ask, 
who is my household yeah. and how can I start to show valor yeah. And it begins home. with your own personal one, but then also outwardly wherever you may be. That's your household. You're expressing the household of God to people all around you. Well, and again, I'm going to say this. Why the term valor? You know, this sounds rather tame because valor is a military term. But I think, David, that if we're naive if we don't think we're in a war. You know, and I don't mean a physical war. I think if you're following, if you're trying to make a difference in this world and following Christ, you're in a spiritual war. And I think there are lots of reasons that this term valor comes up over and over and over in the Bible, and especially among the Jewish people. How long have they been at war? But I think we need to realize that this battle really does begin in prayer. And if you are following Jesus, I promise you, there's an enemy of your soul who lives in the dark, malevolent world who wants to destroy you. I'll never forget my brother Howard who went into ministry and I asked him one day, Howard, have you ever, um, do you believe in the devil? And he said, believe in him. I've met the sorry son of a gun. Well, because he's been Anybody in Anybody know what I'm talking yeah. about? I yeah. mean, and we're going to talk about how to do battle and yeah. to win with God's covenant well, and love. I, need to, I think we need to stress that word win because, friends, I think we are losing wars that we should be winning because Christ has already won the victory for us. Um, it was George Washington said that the best way to avoid war is to prepare for it. And I think as we suit up every day, and, and again, take, take seriously that call to be people of valor, we should be seeing that we win more battles for our marriages and our families and our communities and our world. Jesus didn't leave us here on this earth to lose battles. He left us on this earth to win them. And I think we've gotten so comfortable with getting smacked around. It's time we become people of valor and start winning. Okay, let me start preaching some. John 16, <laughs> Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulations, but rejoice. I have overcome the world. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.14, Paul said, Thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 37, Paul said, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ my Lord. That sounds like victory, doesn't it? And that's how Christians who live in covenant love with our Lord are supposed to live. The devil has been conquered through the powerful name of Jesus. So we have two things we want to leave you with. First of all, abide in Christ. And be valorous people of God in Christ in this world. And secondly, wherever your household may be, be a person of valor. First of all, in your homes, with your marriages, with your children. And secondly, in your workplace, as you extend the kingdom of God and the covenant of God's love to the people all around you. And if you do that, dear friends, you will be a man and woman of valor. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with some insights on maintaining a healthy marriage. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning, your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. 
Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you for being with us today. Great being with you as well, Jen. Well, in this morning's Moment of Hope, you gave us some really great marriage advice. Will you share that with our listeners? I will. It's entitled, Let There Be Some Space in Your Togetherness. Does that make sense to you? Well, unpack that for me. (laughs) Okay, I'd be more than happy to. Let's begin with the idea that God really does want a man and a woman in marriage to become one. That's his design. Genesis 2:24, before the fall, the best wedding service ever held was held in a garden outdoors in the Garden of Eden. God wants the differences that a man and a woman have to come together and mysteriously, miraculously become one flesh. And when it happens, it's beautiful. My wife and I, Marilyn, after 43 years of marriage, have a semblance of that happening in our lives together. But here's something I've learned as well, Jen. Not only does God want us to become one, to have our marriages be a man and a woman who are closer than a brother, Proverbs 18, 24, and to have that one fleshness, if you will, Genesis 2, 24, he wants all of us to have some space in our togetherness. Uh, The best example I can give here is two columns. When they are right next to one another holding up a roof, that roof is going to collapse. Mm. They need to have some space between them for the most strength to occur to hold up the roof that's over them. Uh, Similarly, in our marriages, God wants us to be one, but he also wants us to have some space in our togetherness. So Marilyn and I are deeply united in marriage, but she has her interests and I have my interests. I mean, it's baseball season right now and I love watching the playoffs. So if my team is in the playoffs, I'll be watching the game. Marilyn will be fiddling over there with something she loves to do, reading or whatever. And I might say to her, hey, honey, tell so-and-so to get a hit. And she'll look up and say, get a hit. And then she'll go back into her (laughs) study routine, which she loves to do. Y'all are so cute. We're together, but we're enjoying two different things. She doesn't really love baseball that much. I do. So it's a wonderful example, again, of space and your togetherness. And it might even demand you're going out with your girlfriend sometimes on an adventure you love doing and Chris is staying at home with your kids or doing something he loves to do, then you come back together and enjoy your oneness. But again, there's space in your togetherness, two columns set apart to hold up your family's roof with the greatest strength. I love this, David. It reminds me of when I was first married. I got married a week into 21. So I was a baby. But I had these these ideas that everything, every moment we had to share together, we had to do things together. And honestly, it was like, well, what are you going to talk about? Wrong. <laughs> no, Jen. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't fruitful. Yeah, yeah, it's not. And, and then those can become slurpy marriages, as I affectionately call them. It is when you slurp the life out of the other person. And then eventually that person becomes dry and starts moving away from you because they go, I, I can't meet the deepest longings of your heart. I can't be there every second of every day for you. There's got to be things you enjoy apart from one another so that when you do come together, and Marilyn and 
I have a Friday time together every Friday morning for coffee, talking, and prayer time together. When you do come together, you can enjoy it even more intimately because you've had some space in your togetherness. I love this. This is so great. Such great encouragement. And I'm going to take your advice to go out on a girls weekend. I heard that loud and clear. You can tell Chris I said so. It really is okay. Space in Jen and Chris's togetherness as well is appropriate. That's so fun. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, you bet, Jen. And if anyone would like to receive a daily written moment of hope from me, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there free of charge every morning in your inbox at 7 a.m. From my heart to yours, a written moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also, check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston, hoping you have a great weekend.